When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. Welcome to the Friday Form Panel. It is not Jason Bonington. It's Toby McKinnon in his seat. I've got a whole month here and we've had a great week so far already with some great tipping from our guests. And today, Hopefully no different. Dan Malecki is down the line and ready and raring to go as per usual on a Friday. Firstly, Dan, mate, uh, how are you this morning? I'm very well. Thank you very much, Toby. Yeah, lovely to hear your voice. And um, it'll be uh, a lot of fun trying to find some winners. Well, I'm sure we'll find some winners, but how many um, we'll we'll find out uh, sure enough. For tomorrow night's program, a week after I had a cup night, uh, it's amazing how quickly the race fields can change. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. And I don't know, Dan, but these meetings look a bit easier than what some Hunter Cup meetings look, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know where you're coming from, yeah. but uh, by the same token, it's almost like a new wave of horses, bar for the... Um, uh, for the trot, the night pistol. Yeah. Uh, there's a number of horses we haven't seen in town for, for some time. So, anyway, that makes it, I think, a bit of a challenge. Uh, certainly the first race is, but looking forward to it just the same. And there's obviously really good racing in Sydney, the carnival, uh, if you like, the the showpiece and the harness racing spotlight heads, uh, heads up north, and there's a lot of Victorian representation up there tomorrow night. Yeah, there certainly is, and... We'll get through those, Tim. We've got some tips for Geelong as well. Darren Carroll sent in a couple. Gareth Hall's got a special at Gloucester Park as well. We'll recap. And there was one I was very keen on at Geelong. It's just uh, we might have missed the price too. So we might touch on that at about 11.30, which is when we would no- when I would normally give tips out uh, during the week. And uh, we've had three goes at it this week, Dan, and we've made a profit every day, a considerable profit on, on one of the days as well. So... Uh, we've been in good form, mate, uh, and as I said earlier, hopefully that can continue. What we might do is just uh, get an early breakaway here, and we'll come back, and then we can really bury ourselves into the first two or three races at Melton on Saturday night. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. Welcome back. No Jay Bond today. He's having a well-deserved break. Dan Malecki, as per usual, in the chair with Toby McKinnon. And let's get stuck into it. The Dynamic Print Group Pace is the first race over 1720 metres. This is a four-year-old and older, uh, I think it's the old-fashioned MO in the old language, Dan. And I thought, Dan, before we got stuck into this race, there's enough questions and enough intrigue out of it had a, had Jamie Cook sh- Jamie Cockshut, the expert from Tasmania, on yesterday. Asked him about Montana Storm, and just thought it'd be worth uh, recapping on Jamie's thoughts on Montana Storm here. Rowan's got one of his stable stars racing at Melton in the first. He's transferred it to Connor Cook, who used to work for him, and called Montana Storm. And um, he's a pretty nice horse, Montana Storm. So it wouldn't shock me at all to see him, him winning at Melton on Saturday night. No more, but. He's yeah. raced our best horses, so 
He gets in pretty well in that race. If he's right and he just has any sort of luck from the draw, he'll be getting home strongly. It'd be interesting to see what price he goes up, but um, he's definitely decent each way playing the first, mate. That's Jamie Cockshut on Montana Storm. Dan, just to throw even more intrigue into this race, I don't know where you went in with it. I'll let you go first, and then uh, hopefully we can unravel it somehow. Yeah, look, I, I like Montana Storm. Uh, I think he is well-placed, mm. as Jamie has, uh, has pointed out, and he, he's run admittedly in some stand-start races, um, but some of their very best paces, and has performed uh, particularly well. But his mobile form before that was excellent. Um, Dan's just dropped the line there for a sec. We've just lost him. Oh, there he's uh, back. Montana Storm. I, I think bite out. Am I back? Yeah, you're right. Go yeah. again, Dan. Uh, nine, eight, three, five are my tips, but it, I, I think Montana Storm, Storm's well placed. Yeah, yeah, really. So you nine, eight, three, five. You've settled on Montana Storm. I thought I might have been. Uh, we might have been able to get one. I might have been able to get one uh, past you, but you found him as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, that form is pretty good form. If you're going to find some Tassie form, he, he does drop a bit in class compared to what he's been running against there. And I think because of you know your Riley Majors and your Blitzen, you can get a bit of an idea um, of the horses he's run up against. And really, imagine Blitzen was in this race. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong, Blitzen beat him pretty easily, but and there was a stand start. But Blitzen would be clear favourite in a race like this. It's a good bunch of uh, even class horses. And it looks like there'll be a bit of pace. And I reckon that's the part that's going to suit him the best. So particularly now that I've seen the price, um, I didn't know if he'd be $2.80 or $10. And he's sort of somewhere in between. So he looks good value. Yeah, 100%. He does look good value at seven fifty, two thirty dollars on the tab. I thought bite our time, which is no rocket science uh, to say he's racing consistently. Uh, in his last eight starts, he's had those five seconds and just... The draw's a little bit tricky. Modern Jive may hold up. It's really up in grade. Modern Jive coming back into four-year-old grade. It's a chance, no doubt, of running a, a placing. And Mr. Perfect's a funny sort of a horse, Mr. Perfect. He, he looked impressive in his first few in Australia, but I'm just not sure, Dan, we have seen the best of him yet. And his runs seem to be well-spaced, and, and his races seem, uh, seem, you know, far apart. And that always says to me that they just haven't got Mr. Perfect perfect yet yeah look maybe he's had a few goes though and he, look he goes well but i think he needs things to uh you know pan out well uh, nicely for him um when you get a, a horse with uh, with mark pitt driving it they're generally mm. going to be in the market if they've got decent form and i think this horse has and he's definitely one of the chances there's no doubt about that but i was a little surprised looking at the market that uh, he's a short at 270 oh, i think he'll probably get out because i can't see him leading so he's got to be able to slot in uh, somewhere. Mm. And if he does and he gets the right run, he's a chance of winning. But I didn't think he was a 270 shot. Yeah, I didn't either. And honourable mention of Sassiola, who stable and horse are both going really well as well. Race two is the high gain pace. This is a mare's 67 to 89 class race over the 17, 20 metres. And once again, some different form lines assembling here and, I think a lot of eyes would be turned to the back row in Bonnie Bell, So What and Monomia. And, Dan, I'm not sure where you settled on this race. Yeah, look, it is. The, with the horses on the back line particularly and, and also the fact that Faraday Hanover's uh, first up from uh, from a long break. It's been well over a, a year since we've seen her race. So 
It does, and being over the shorter trip as well um, makes it a, an intriguing race. Rikiro Rebel was a terrific run last start. Uh, got gassed first up and, and weakened, but uh, it took all of Bonnie Bell's uh, toughness. She outstayed her over over the 22.40, so maybe back in trip it suits Rikiro Rebel, but she's still up against some pretty nice horses. I've, I'm always tipping uh, So What, and I thought she was terrific in the Group 2 last week. Um, she has forgotten how to win, though. She keeps performing well, but she hasn't won for a while. Uh, Monomir fitter for a first up run. I think she'll come out of that race much better. Um, she ran well, but she sort of peaked at about the 200 and then battled away. So she'll be better for that run, Monomir. So I am looking at the backline horses. Um, I think Rakiro Rebel is a very good chance of being able to lead here. So she will be very hard to beat. And, uh, and Faraday Hanover... Yeah, first up, probably have to press on. Uh, it's going to be tough from that wider draw, but she might be able to put herself into the race. And, and you know with a Stewart-Pitt combination, um, A, they must be respected, but um, it's the other one with a, with a chance, with a winning chance, I think. So nine, again for me, nine, ten, four, and seven. Yeah, look, I just can't agree with you, Dan. I've gone nine, ten, four, and eight. Uh, for a lot of the reasons you said, so what's just racing so terrifically well. And I think whatever happens in this race, I think Jackie Barker, who's in stellar form driving, it's going to work out for her. If they drop tempo mid-race, Bellman will be off on Monomia and get around and keep that tempo honest. And if they, if there is a bit of tempo mid-race, I think uh, Monomia will be the first to go and she'll be able to get the card up into the race on the back of Monomia. So I just feel like Jackie Barker's going to get the best opportunity to drive the best race, if that makes sense, and often that wins the race. Yeah, Monomia, for all those reasons I just mentioned, she's going to be put into the race. And she's t- those two just look a level above the rest at this stage in their careers. Rakiro Rebel should get across to the front, I would have thought, and uh, will give a great side. And Bonnie Bell, who... Beat Rakiro Rebel last week is thirteen dollars and three ten. It's three ten to run a place. Rakiro Rebel's three thirty to win. I know it's a sticky draw, gate eight, but uh, no doubt Blair McDonough will uh, Bailey McDonough will be able to get the horse into the race at some stage. So Dan, uh, we're in fighting unison at the moment. We've got, we're two from two on number nine. And I'm very strong on the fact that you won't have the same as me in race three, the Opus Group Trot, 70 to 85. This is over the 2240 metres. And uh, again, there's always different form lines in races. And, and I just think there's one that really stands out to me at big value. So it'll be interesting to see if you find it in your top four. Well, my best uh, each way of the night. In fact, races three and four were my uh, each way or value plays. So it's, um, well, it's not double figures, so I don't think it's the one you're thinking of. But uh, um, I'll, well, I'll start the ball rolling then in race three. I like Majestic Chick. I think she's spot on. She's ready to go here from a good gate. Both runs back have been terrific. And um, she's obviously fitter. Uh, but also with a better barrier draw. Greg Sugars takes the drive, so she's the one for me, Majestic Chick. Um, I think Hatchback, he obviously looks well-placed because he drops in grade. Uh, Blue Coman's going terrific, number seven, and uh, and Kai Valley Hotspur, one, nine, seven, eight. I, I'm, I'm a little concerned now that perhaps I haven't <laughs> put in my top four your, your tip. Yeah, look, I'm with Arch Leo. I just This horse went terrific when it won the Stall Cup three starts back, which... Off the back of that, it'd be good enough to go very close in this race. Then ran eighth at Geelong behind Interview and Chinese Whisper, who certainly would both be uh, pretty short in this race. I know he got beaten a little bit there. He went to Hamilton, and 
Mick Bellman, you don't often see Mick Bellman do this, but he withheld two challenges for the front with Arch Leo. Mm. He really didn't want to give up the front, which said to me he was pretty keen on this horse's chances. And he really only, if he didn't get that second challenge, he probably wins the Hamilton Cup. And if he went into this race having won the stall in Hamilton Cups in his last three, he certainly wouldn't be going around $19. So I thought he was really good value, Arch Leo. I think he'll get driven with a sit. I agreed with everything you said with Majestic Chick. It basically won that race last week if it wasn't for Elder Baron Keeper, who I rate really highly. It's clearly going to get a great run. Uh, Hatchback is a horse I really like when it gets to the front. I think it's much better in front. It's I just can't see it getting there, but I can see it running another great honest race. Chiss has been a good honest horse for a long time. And I thought anywhere Hugo's come out of an Inter-Dominion campaign, he's taken a little bit to recover from that. But it just those last couple seen signs that he could run on into the event as well. So uh, you've gone 1978. I've gone 6195 in a race where there is definitely multiple, multiple chances. Race four, as we can build our way through this, we're going well, Dan. We've got still got five minutes uh, up our sleeve, so we can get into race four, the Highland Racing Colours Trot. Another intriguing affair. This one's back over the 1720 metres. It's the last leg of the early quaddy. And it's a 52 to 61 rated race. And for the Trotters, there's 10 runners engaged. And oh, there's, again, there's some intriguing form lines into this. There's a real uncanny type horse to throw in, which I'll give some detail about. Uh, Tripods opened up favourite at $3. Uh, second favourite is Namoska, the pole, oh, sorry, Jakarta at $3.10, and then Namoska at $5. Namoska and Jakarta, both having very similar form lines at the moment. So, Dan, uh, interested to see if you thought El Rosamo would be able to step up or whether you're going for a Jakarta or a tripod. And I know a certain uh, <laughs> learned gentleman is very keen on tripod as well who uh, spoke to me off air this morning. So very interesting your thoughts here on this race, which could be a crazy race, race four. Yeah, oh, look, you can make uh, a lot of uh, c cases for horses here. I've, I've been following the Mosca, and I, I just think that he's the sort of horse that from certain gates, he just doesn't have enough um, a speed to put himself in the in the right position. But from barrier one, I think he won't be as far back. He always finds the line well. Um, he did open at about 7.50, so he's been identified early and, and shortens up. But I, he, he was my value uh, for the night. The Mosca, he's definitely ready to win. Um, tripod is two, don't get me wrong, the three um, can make a, a good case for um, Champagne Charlie. I've got a lot of time for him, but <laughs> he can be his own worst enemy as well. Um, so that were the, my top three numbers, one, uh, three, and, and ten. And like you said, El Rosama, there's a lot of ability there. He's probably not quite sure you can say you can trust him yet, but he's put three really good runs together, uh, and he's got plenty of ability. So he's, he's still on the way up. So he's the one that rounds out my top four. But I thought as a, an each-way play, Namoska was the way to go. One from uh, three, ten, and seven. All right. Now I'm going to put a big asterisk here because this horse is the best-named horse I've seen in some time crazy. He certainly is crazy. He refuses to score up. He did that last start at Cranbourne. I was there working as the race day judge and... Uh, fortunately, Dan, I had the opportunity to put the clock on him and his sectionals over the last 1,200. He broke 30 each time. He was absolutely sailing this horse. Uh, he was beaten three or 400 metres. He was right out the back, but he, he trotted magnificently. 
Uh, reports are the horse is absolutely flying in track work. He's probably 20 or 30 to 1 to go away with them. If he does that, I think he'll beat these quite comfortably. Uh, that's the the impression I got from Cranbourne. And that's why they've stuck him in this race. I think they're trying to get him in as high price or a high-valued race as possible because when he sticks it all together, he'll just win. Uh, and they want it to be in as good a race as possible. And I just... He's $40. He's a real speculative bet. But it, I'd be saying to punters, if you're having an early quaddy, stick him in your early quaddy in some fashion as well because he could put huge value into it. Number eight, crazy. I thought five Jakarta's been racing really well from second row draws where he's run sixth and fifth at his last two. Ironically, Namoska's run fifth and sixth. The two of them have been partnering up almost in their finishing positions their last couple. I just think off the front row, as long as he gets away again, and there's a lot of question marks with horses in this race, I think he gets away and he'll get in a much better forward position in this event. Uh, number five, Jakarta. One to Mosca for all the reasons you said. The query is if Chinsky can get across, he may end up three, four back the pegs. Beautifully bred horse now to Mosca, Dan, out of a mare called Heavens Above, who... Uh, is the mother of Just Believe. And uh, I'm actually working on a, a fair story on Tuesday for Trot's Life with Heavens Above, who came out of America, uh, bought by Kevin Risley, who was then purchased by uh, Pat Driscoll and Yabby Dam Farms. So um, nearly got back to the point of the person that actually bred Heavens Above in America. So a bit of a story I'm building for Tuesday. And it is the mother of Namoska and Just Believe. And lastly, El Rosamo. And once again, uh, it's a bit of a risky commodity, El Rosamo. It was either it or Champagne Charlie for all the reasons that you outlined, Dan. So for me, uh, eight to beat five, one and seven. Dan with one from three, ten and seven in race four, the Highland Racing Colours Trot. Dan, uh, let's take a break, my friend, and we will come back the other side. We'll wrap this little uh, first half an hour of the Friday form panel up. Then we'll get into some news and then back into race five onwards at Melton on Saturday night. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. Welcome back. Friday four panel, Toby McKinnon, Dan Malecki with you, big fella off the text, great tipping by the host as well, Toby, don't forget to pump yourself up as well, uh, no danger, no danger, big fella, that I'll uh, be forgetting to pump myself up, and he says all the best, Toby and Dan, cheers from big fella, thank you, my friend, and uh, big fella got involved yesterday on Gonna Sue You at, uh, he got 17s, I believe. Uh, it was $15 when I tipped it, so he's uh, maximised those odds. Darren Carroll getting tipping a winner as well yesterday. Uh, we just missed on our other two, so we're only two from four yesterday, but I think two from four and one of them's uh, 15 $17 is a pass mark. And uh, yeah, been a great week on Trots. I've had lots of wonderful guests. Uh, Terry Young yesterday, wasn't he a character? 80 years of age, still training trotters. Sounded like he was 22. Let's get to an 11 o'clock news break and we'll come out the other side. We'll, after the news, we'll, start, we'll get stuck into some of the main races on Saturday night. Races five and six. 
There's more questions than we have answers at this stage, but that's what the punt is, isn't it? If we knew the answers before the races, then, uh, well, everyone would be just backing winners constantly. But let's see if we can uh, analyse some of these questions, work out some results. On the other side, we've got a big hour to come. Still, what, six races left at Melton. Plenty of time to dig deep and dive into the races. We've got some tips for Geelong for you as well. So stay tuned for the next hour on Friday Form Panel. Live on SEN Track, welcome to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. Welcome to the Friday Form Panel. If you're just joining us, we've already been through four races, so you might have to go and uh, podcast that to grab it, or we could give you some winners out of it. Dan's gone for 9, 9, 1 and 1 in the first four races, so a bit of a theme there. Uh, Dan, just before we get in, a little, a quick anecdote from the Hunter Cup on the weekend, mate. On Monday's show with Steve Cleave, the Metrospective, I sat down and I was cutting sort of the last 60 seconds of each race and replaying it on the show. I went to cut the Hunter Cup and I thought I'd better play the first little bit of this race and I'd better play everything of real importance to the race. Well, got to the end of the race and I just played the whole race. It was an amazing, <laughs> it was an amazing race. There was nothing, no point in time where I could mm. cut some of it out that wasn't relevant to what happened in the race. Does that make sense? It does. I could have made it all up because you were just listening to it. But when you <laughs> match it up with the pictures, um, it's almost as if uh, you never got a chance to put your head above the water and take a breath. It was. Oh, I thought there was a lot going on. It was. A, it was a wonderful race to, to be a part of and be engrossed in. And uh, it was certainly entertaining, wasn't it? And um, yeah, um, a, a lot going on. Very dramatic as well. With copy that uh, being pulled out of the race, and um, I enjoyed it um, uh, immensely. And the, the feedback from it, uh, because uh, we had a racing.com audience as well, and you yeah, often get yeah. feedback. From the the thoroughbred industry and or, or just access for people on on free to air and and they love the race you know and, and I haven't heard one person talk out of their pocket. I'm not saying there aren't people out there that that uh, will be affected by say the horse that won because the way the race was run and the excuse would be relevant to the horse that they backed that yeah, uh, worked yeah. too hard or back copy that and nobody nobody did that that I'm aware of, at least to me, and they were talking about a wonderful spectacle and, and a very entertaining race, and I think that's terrific for harness racing. Funny that first point you make. When I played it on the radio and just listening to the call without the vision, and I suppose because you've seen it a number of times for that stage, you're seeing it in your mind's eye, but it was... And, and Steve Cleave said as well, it was just a spine-chilling call and, uh, well, you should be congratulated on it and no doubt many people have congratulated you on it and I'm not paying in your pocket. I, I said that behind your back as well, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you very much for that and I must admit it, it makes me – what would make me uncomfortable is if, if someone was peeing in my pocket because um, uh, it would be wet and it would stink and it's not a really good situation to be in, is it? So I appreciate you saying it to my face rather than yeah. just – Using my pockets for other things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're keeping your wallet, your phone and your keys. That's what they're best for. Uh, yeah. Now, we better not get too down, uh, too off track here, you and I, because it could end up anywhere. Let's get back into the Friday 4 panel. Race 5 is the download the Tab app today pace. 
and this is a very interesting race. And if anyone can go into this race so confident and say they know the winner, well, good luck to them because there's so many anomalies here. Uh, Supreme Dominator first up, he's trialled, he's trialled okay. Bulletproof Boy comes out of some 1,200-metre races, and Max Delight is racing terrifically well, but he just can't seem to win a race. And then What's Up Sunshine, I think, was a little bit disappointing last week off the back of a couple of really good runs, and then you've got horses like Rack'em Up Tiger Pie and Bernie Winkle, some old masters that could bob up, and... Rick Riley's the other one in the race who's definitely not totally without a chance. So uh, you can make a lot of cases here, Dan. I'll be interested to hear your uh, legal opinion on this uh, when you make your case. <laughs> um, look, Max Delight sort of has to win, doesn't he? If he doesn't win this, I, I, where's he going to win around another race? Um, yeah. Look, it's over the short trip. It should just generate a bit of gate speed. I wouldn't be surprised if Bulletproof Boy came off the arm here. Um, I can often never predict what Scott Ewan's going to do, but <laughs> because the horse is coming off the back of three consecutive 1,200-metre races, um, he's been able to get him going. It was the one two runs ago, I think it was Street Kid, and even the one before that behind um, uh, Catch a Wave. So he can come out running. Um, I'm just looking at the speed inside of him. And, like, what's up, Sunshine? He was disappointing last week, but they revved him up early to lead. So I don't think they'd look to try and do that because it didn't suit him last week, even though he's got some gate speed. But And Supreme Dominator gets out well, but I wouldn't call him a brilliant beginner, um, yeah. whether or not he's got the time to hustle his way forward. So I think there's an opportunity there for a Bulletproof Boy to get across and lead without you know, having to be, uh, do too much. Being a small field, he, he obviously is not a one-trick pony. Um, he's a very good set sprinter and... Uh, he wouldn't be disadvantaged coming from the back, but he, he might be able to get across here and make it really interesting. But that within itself would generate just the sort of pace that I think Max Delight would need. And um, he can win this race. I, I wouldn't be having the house on him or anything like that. Uh, as a wonderful horse as he has been, he doesn't win that often now. Uh, he's on the cusp of the next level of, of uh, open class horses, but this is the right race for him. So eight on top of six. Supreme Dominator, if I could see him have one run back or two runs back and it was 2,200, I'd, I'd be saying he, he was the bet uh, yeah. of the race. Yeah. But first up at 1,700, I, I think he's slightly vulnerable and he just has to be improved from that run. It just makes sense. Um, so eight, six and uh, three, they're the quality runners. And uh, I'll put in the two, what's up, Sunshine, uh, for fourth. I haven't got a, a, a bingo uh, little uh, stinger or anything, but I'm eight six three and two, so we're in total unison here. Uh, Max Delight, he really is racing well. He ran eleventh, third, and ninth through the Inter Dominion heats. Second in a Sokiola Sprint, third Bendigo Cup, fourth Shep Cup, an honourable Ballarat Cup run, and then fourth in the Pure Steel. I remember that Captain Sandy Free for All when he last won. I think it was last April. I think at about the 1,200-metre mark, Chris Alford pulled out three wide. He circumnavigated them and, and pinched the lead mid-race. And I wouldn't be surprised mm. if Supreme Dominator got to the front and James Herbertson tries to get a bit cute and get away with a real soft sectional. Chris will come. He'll come three wide and do what really probably should be renowned in harness racing as the puppet, where you go around a mid-race and you pinch the lead off the leader. I've seen him do it so many times, Dan, and that's where I think he'll win this race, Max Delight, or he's your best betting uh, proposition because Chris will judge the race uh, to the absolute optimum to get this horse to win the race. And, yep, a Max Delight on top, 
bulletproof boy, so hard to line up over the 1,200 metres, and he has options as well. I don't think he'll go forward, Scotty Ewan, but now you've said that, Dan, I've started wondering. I thought Supreme Dominator, Herbie will probably try and get to the front, and then uh, What's Up Sunshine, ran a good fourth in the breakthrough, definitely didn't uh, suit it last week. It was maybe a bit disappointing, but I will give it one more chance. They're the top four for me as well. Eight, six, three, and two in the download, the tab at pace in a very interesting little race. And uh, Max Delight, not sure where he'll go to after this. He, if, he, if he has a win, he may go up to Sydney for a crack at some better races. He is the uh, Menangle track record holder over 2,200 metres from when he won that New South Wales derby. Or I haven't checked that. What, what century was that? Yeah, it was a few years ago, Dan. That's a, that's a pretty good effort, isn't it, to win the New South Wales derby and hold that track record for all this time? It is, yeah. It shows you how good a horse he's been over the years. Yeah. He's won over $800,000, but... He hasn't necessarily plateaued out, but he, he, he like last win was April. Was it April last year? His yeah, last win. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a fair while between drinks now, and I, I think he's right. Um, races are that level below the group ones, because even then he doesn't win them out of turn. But as you can see tomorrow night, he looks ideally placed. He's not too old either, so there should still be a little bit of life in his legs. But I think um, yeah, steering clear of the group ones now is probably the way to go with him. Patrick from Melton says, great minds think alike, but agreed, tough race to uh, tip the trifecta. Uh, yeah, Pat, thank you. Uh, now, this race is even tougher, Dan. Race six, the join the VHRC for Super Bonuses pace. I'll leave it to you because I ended up uh, throwing everything out the window and I've gone with my two daughters' birth dates, my birth date and my footy number. Oh, you better explain that because I'm interested. <laughs> right, number two, Jillaby Dynamite. My first and eldest daughter is born on the 2nd of December. So I thought that was as good a reason as any in this. I think he'll lead. He'll go very close. Ten, Curly James, my uh, second daughter. Her, she's born on the 10th of uh, February. So it's her birthday today, Dan. So happy birthday. Oh, that's li- fantastic. Little, happy birthday. Little Gracie, who turns six. So Curly James, like, its form's terrific, Curly James. It comes yeah. off. A Cobram Cup win, uh, it, it really has been racing well. Uh, Cobram Cup win, ran second in the breakthrough final, which is really strong form for this. I thought Captain Belisario is on board on the 7th or the 11th, which is uh, 7-11 day, which is famously they get a free Slurpee from 7-11 as they give out free <laughs> Slurpees on 7-11 day. Uh, it's the best horse in the race, no doubt, but it's got a terrible barrier draw. There's always a little query with him on that last bend at any track, I think. And six, however, six was my footy number. Simon Rouget handed it down to me when I turned 18, who'd played uh, several hundred games for the Football Club, and I was honoured to wear the number six over a number of years. I think he's a good horse, however. Uh, he's had inside second row draws at his last four starts. He's been the inside second row, which doesn't sort of suit this horse, I don't think. And I, I, he'll go better with a bit of clear air. But to be honest, Dan, uh, my kids and my birthday could have been other days and I could have made cases for other horses in this race. It's just that kind of race. But in the end, I've gone t- two, ten, seven, and 6. Yeah, it is. Look, it's a good race. There's no doubt. Yeah. number of different form lines. Um, I agree with you with Curly James. Really yeah. like the way that he's going. And that form out of his last, uh, that breakthrough pace, that, that will hold up. I've got no doubt about that. And he was terrific, uh, Curly James. So I've actually put him on top at the, at the value. I, I, I must have been almost had a group selection that I couldn't. I found yeah. it difficult to try and split between uh, a number of the horses. So Curly James 
turns out to be the best value because sometimes when yeah. you're doing your form, you don't have the prices there. I make up my own. Well, say make them up. I I um I have my own prices to work off. So in the end, the best value of the the ones that I liked is Curly James. So six dollars fifty he is at the moment. Um, yeah, I like where he's at. I, everything you said about Captain Belisario's right. He's a Group One winner, but he, you know he just does enough to not be a good thing every time he goes around. But yeah. uh, he can absolutely win this race. Interesting to see um, a certain driver in in colours that he made very very famous, Chris Alford in the um, the Jane Davies colours. So I thought it's been a while, hasn't it? Uh, well, he still wears them occasionally. Jack Laws uh, just. Uh, having a little break on the sidelines off a stellar start of the year. He's had Jack Law. He's clearly our leading state driver at the moment. He's having a little break. So Chris has jumped back in him. And uh, I, I'll argue with anyone, Tom Blue, in the face, they're not the colours he wore when he drove his greatest race ever. He's ever driven in all his life. Chris Alford was when uh, Blue Eagle won the Victorian Derby. He had the blue and white on on that occasion. Yeah, that's right. Well, that was um, Pacers Australia colours. Yeah, Terry reckon, Henderson, same yeah. as Choking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Terry Henderson, obviously OTI now, we know him as a, a, a dominant um, a thoroughbred owner, but uh, he cut his teeth and he loved the harness I owned. Uh, we had a pretty good trotter together called Waihima Hanger, Terry and I, but yeah, yeah. through his paces, Australia, Holmes DG and Token and um, Blue Eagle, um, uh, the Unicorn, uh, they had some top horses, didn't they? Didn't they? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, 10 for me, Curly James, 7, Captain Belisario. Two, Jellyby Dynamite. Eight, better call me. I Look, I think he'll just be fitter for the run. And I reckon he's got one of the most underrated, but also one of the, the best drivers going around oh. uh, in Victoria at the moment in Glen Craven. Um, he is a, a driver that is in, in the zone. Um, he's never driven better, but not only that, uh, I would... I would if, he's had a lot of experience driving good horses over a period of time, but he's in the peak of, of his career, the way he's driving and rating his horses. So that horse will lose nothing there, I can assure you. 10, 7, 2 and 8. Yeah, Glenn Craven's currently 8th on the State Drivers' Premiership with 11 wins, but he's only had 37 drive stands, so he's nearly at 33%. Yeah. Like, you compare him to Nathan Jack, who's 12 wins from 74 drives. Uh, Michelle Phillips, 13 from 56. Kate Gath, 16 from 65. So he has had a stellar start to the year, Glenn Craven. And uh, the other the other point there would be Marg Lee is second on the Metropolitan Trainers Premiership and Paddy Lee is 10th. So certainly yeah. the, the stable is on fire. Glenn Craven's driving as good as ever. He drives this one, obviously, for his brother, uh, Maddie, who's gone to Sydney, yeah, we're campaigning some horses, so uh, that's better call me number eight. Let's get a break away, and we'll come back on the other side and look at race seven, the Night Pistol, the Elder Baron Park Night Pistol, and this one is a real head-scratcher. I'll be very interested to hear Dan's thoughts, particularly on gate speed as well. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. Toby McKinnon filling in for Jason Bonington. Dan Malecki is with us and we are up to the Night Pistol Race 7. Gee, it's an intriguing race, this race. And you look at the markets and Sleepy is the rank outsider at $23. Ran fourth in a great Southern Star Heat. Was was as close as you can get to getting a run in the final and 
it comes into this race, it hasn't raced twice the week before. So it's only had the one run last week where a number of these other runners have had the two runs. Uh, and it's the rank outsider in the race. And although I'm not tipping Sleepy, I don't even have Sleepy in my top four, you couldn't rule it out on the basis that it's run a terrific race last week. This race, Dan, is very difficult. First and foremost, I'll get your thoughts on uh, who you think will win, but I'm, I'm interested in the early speed battle because there's so much speed off the gate. Sundon's Courage can get out quick. Olavici can get out quick. I initially thought Plymouth Chubb would lead. Elder Baron Zeus has got gate speed. Majestic Man and Mufasa Metro are both very fast out from out wide. Gee, it's a good race, Dan. Yeah, it is. It's it's tough. And you're right. You can make a case, I think, for, for every horse in the race, including Sleepy at $23 yeah. actually yeah. looks decent value because she's going terrific and gets a good gate. And maybe that speed uh, is going to help because I, I think what will happen with all those horses with the gate speed a couple will probably be out of business by the first turn because they might try, but they can't yeah. get across. Yeah. Um, now, which two they might be, I'm not sure, because Mufasa Metro led from uh, very wide out in the Great Southern Star. Elder and Zeus, I think he's best up on the pace, so he'll get his opportunity to surge forward early. Majestic Man is very quick, and they're out wide on the track, so they'll maintain that pressure, I think. They have to go... Uh, well, they don't have to go forward, but I think it's likely they will because it's 2,200 metres, they're going to continue to push on. And, mm. and a lot of it will depend on what um, Ryan Duffy might do with Sundon's courage because yeah. he's got the speed to hold up, but I do think he's a better sit sprinter. And he's going well. He's going really well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's no guarantee that he won't uh, initially have the gate speed to, to hold out a Majestic Man or Elder Baron Zeus. So... I'm sort of looking at the horses that can win uh, regardless of where they're positioned. Um, and, look, you can make a case for a lot of them, I think. Um, but it doesn't make it any easier. Uh, I, I settle on Sundon's Courage. Yeah, here's a horse that yeah. wins, you know, not very often, but he is going really well. And, and, and a lot of putting him on top, uh, at, well, he's $6.50 at the moment, was thinking that he's going to be on the pegs and he's probably going to get the right run and he might be a good each-way play because it's it's hard to work out which one could lead uh, or have that advantage unless they work too hard in leading and then it sets it up for a sit-sprinter. But who are really the sit-sprinters? Sleepy. Oh, well, yeah, maybe. It's the only horse, isn't it? Like it's... The, the others are a bit better. I think we see them as best when they're in yeah, front, all correct. the other horses. Correct. Um, without all being one-trick ponies. So... Who's going to benefit most by a lot of speed? And I think Sundon's Courage is another one that is a good sprinter. So I was thinking if he did end up on the pegs behind the leader, who that leader is, I'm not 100% sure, but he might be in the right position. So I've tipped Sundon's Courage. Elder Baron Zeus, look, his form has been fantastic. Um, majestic man, obviously. He, he's, a, he's a top horse. And, and look, I'm going to throw in Sleepy as my fourth pick because she's great value. And would you dare to leave her out of the quaddy? No. Who would you, though? This is a field job, is it not? Well, I think one overall is the only one that um, I probably but, wouldn't put in, but when you're going to leave one horse out, you're an idiot. So um, <laughs> especially in my case, I assure you that uh, I've championed that cause. If there was a gold medal in an Olympic sport for uh, leaving it. a horse out and then missing the quaddy, I'm the champion out of it year after year after year. So I wouldn't leave one overall out, but he would be... 
uh, my eighth pick in the race. Probably because he's unreliable, but the, the race shape might actually suit him now. So um, I wouldn't leave him out. I, I would take the field. Uh, and that just shows you the evenness of the race and the way it's worked out. I mean, it's a, you can get good odds about really good horses here, and that doesn't happen too often. Not, not the depth of this field anyway. Yeah, well, one overall, he's the lowest rated horse in the race considerably, 82, but Jess and Greg would know how he's going. If he's anywhere near Just Believe, they'd put him in a race like this, and they've put him in a race like this. So if he's anywhere near Just Believe, he's got to be a chance in this race. And there's that much speed on. If he's just buried on the pegs, one overall can win this race as well. But I ended up settling with Plymouth Chubb, Dan. I thought he, he was terrific last week when he led... And my initial thoughts were that Olavici would cross Sundon's Courage and hand up to Plymouth Chubb. Olavici sprint lane and won a race at Geelong. And if Plymouth Chubb's the one to get to the front, resist a few challenges, I just think he just fought to the line so well last week in that heat that he could be the one that wins the race. And there's a little bit of romanticism there in the night pistol with Peter and Karen Manning winning the race, yeah, yes. Yeah. But I thought he was a winning chance. I had Olavici in for second because if he did get to the pegs and hand up to something, he would be a great chance in the race. He was really good in his heat, particularly last week when he sat three wide. I think the trip, I don't think he got in at any stage. Sundon's courage for the reasons you outlined. He's going to be on the pegs the whole way, and he's probably the only horse we can say that about with any confidence. Yeah. And then Mufasa Metro, he's just going so well. I think he stepped up to being just off the best trotters in Australasia. He's just that little rung below at the moment. And maybe in 12 months' time, he will be in in that conversation as uh, with where Majestuoso and probably Just Believe are in Australia at the moment as our best trotters. But uh, with no confidence whatsoever, 4, 3, 1 and 7. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the first four was 2, 5, 6 and 8 uh, for me. That is the confidence levels I have in that race. 2, 5 and 6 in my numbers. So (laughs) three of the other four. So that's seven of the eight. Yeah, correct. So we have, and there's a race earlier where we've dipped them exactly the same Mm. the whole way through. So it's not like we live in worlds apart where we don't think alike sometimes, but I think we are actually thinking alike in this race in many regards. Because it's so open. Because it is so open. Mm. What a great little trotters race. Uh, and there's no standout at the moment apart from Just Believe, and they're a very even lot below, and I'm just looking forward to seeing what happens in this race. can be fireworks from the start, and uh, then sometimes you come into these races, Dan, where you think it's going to be like this, and everyone goes back at the start because they all think everyone else is going forward. Intriguing race, race seven, the Elder Baron Park Night Pistol, and... HRV posting some memories of Karen Manning over in uh, Europe with Plymouth Chubb. Had a great man, Dennis and Gelbo, on yesterday's show for a chat from Sweden who's wearing the teal colours in Sweden this month as he drives. There's the teal campaign that uh, memorises or in memoriam of Lynn McPherson as extended out of Australasia into Europe, which is an exciting development to raise awareness and funds for ovarian cancer. Let's get to the 11.30 news. We'll come back the other side. We've got a couple, uh, three more races we'll get through, and we've got some tips for Geelong in the last half an hour. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. 
Welcome back. Friday form panel time. Toby McKinnon and Dan Malecki in the house. Let's get through these last three races, Dan, and then uh, we'll take a break and come back and give some Geelong tips after that. Race eight at Melton, the Cogs Services Pace. And as you probably know, Dan, I spent uh, 12 years working in a profession as a fencer. It was what my father, my late father, ran a fencing business for a number of years. And something I got actually pretty good at uh, was building picket fences. And that's what Outlaw Man's been able to do <laughs> as well. He didn't know where I was going with that at first, did you? <laughs> so... Oh, $3 and $1.50. There's some concern from uh, one of his owners I was talking to this morning that he wouldn't hold the front, but I just thought he'd lead down and win. Is that how you see it? Uh, look, probably. Um, yeah. it, I mean, sometimes you, you overlook the obvious, don't you? And, and initial thought is, well, you know, is there something else that can beat him in this race? I have found one that I've tipped to beat him, but, you know, it might just be the obvious. He, he's made an art form out of winning. Uh, he's one of those typical Kiwis that Andy Gath well um, has been able to find. They come over here and, and really it's almost like stealing a couple of races because mm. they're so well graded mm. under this, uh, under this uh, rating system. I, mean, I think all the Kiwis... Have you seen a Kiwi horse come to Australia that doesn't come in well under this system? Um, so, look, and then he comes up with barrier one by utilising the, the claims. So it's not as if he's drawn seven... He's drawn one, so he'll be very hard to beat. Uh, look, I've put Ruben's plight on top. First up run, I thought it was really good with room to improve. Look, he, he led, took a trail. He's a good sit sprint. He's got a good turn of foot. He beat a decent bunch of horses, and I think he's got further improvement in him, which is most important. And he's got, um, well, the new golden hands, Glenn Craven <laughs> as well. So three Ruben's plight from one outlaw man. Rightfully, should run the favourite, but it surprised me when I first saw the market. He wasn't shorter than the yeah. price that is on offer. He's $3, and you'd probably think he, he could have been a touch of odds on. Yep. Um, so 3-1. I think Magic Mike's run last week was really good. In fact, his recent form has been terrific, and I think he's the other one. He's probably over the odds at uh, 10 bucks, and uh, and just a little sip is the other one. Awkward draw, but is right up to this as well. So 3-1, 4, and 7. Yeah, well, I saw this race a bit different to you. The the bet I'd want to be having in the race is number nine, Orby, the place. And I'll get to that uh, in a second. I think Outlaw Man, to win the race, he probably has to lead. I don't think he'll out-sprint Rubens Pite. So Jordan Leadham will be out to lead and hold the front on Outlaw Man. And that changes this this whole race. Uh, he'd been really good. He went 153-1 at Shepparton over the short distance, two starts back. Yes, this is the middle distance, but he's got enough speed, this horse outlaw man, to win this race. I've got seven, just a little sip. I think he's the best horse in the race. At the end of their careers, he'll definitely, I reckon, be the best horse in the race. He ran fifth in the Victorian Derby Heat and ninth in the final. Uh, eight, Murray's bonus, I think, gets the gun run behind Outlaw Man. And nine, Orby, oh, sorry, I've got them the other way around. Nine, Orby to run third ahead of Murray's bonus. I think it'll sprint lane Orby up the inside of Murray's bonus. And I'd be very happy to take the $4.40, the place for Orby. Uh, Ruben's Pite, Dan, very, very, very well-named horse out of a mare called I'm Wrongly Accused and uh, named after an American boxer, Sir Ruben. Ah, the Hurricane. Yeah, Sir Ruben Carter, the Hurricane. You'll remember... Bob Dylan made famous. And yeah. Denzel Washington played him in the movie. Yeah, correct. It's a wonderful movie. Mm. Uh, no true doubt. story. Yeah, it's a true story. And his brother was Kimball, which is another movie where Harrison Ford plays Dr. Richard Kimball. 
uh, who was also wrongly accused of murder in that movie. I just can't think of the name of the movie. You would know it, Dan. That is for sure. Yeah, it's on the it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, <laughs> yeah. Very oh, well, right. very well known horses. The, anyway, the the fugitive, oh, the, the fugitive, the fugitive. That's yep, it. I knew fugitive. it was something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, two very well known horses, and yep, he's the other one. The three Rubens Plight. Now, race nine, the Mimosa Homes Pace. Uh, over 1720 metres. This is effectively the MO Constellation. And before we get into this, Dan, I have Garrick Knight on every week. He talks about the Kiwis that have come to Australia. And it's pretty pertinent that we hear what Garrick Knight had to say about Ultimate Missile, which is probably going to confuse us more than it is going to assure us. But he's the dollar seventy favourite, and this is why we have Garrick on the show on Wednesdays. Didn't quite measure up as a two-year-old. He had a couple of starts here. He broke once, I think. Come back as a three-year-old late, late, later last year. He's going there or thereabouts. And I spoke to Scott Phelan for a story I was writing, and I said, oh, it's been a bit of a disappointment. And he said, well, no, we actually think he's probably not far off Merlin and sooner the better. Um, okay. He works as good as them at home, but he just hasn't been putting it together on race day. But ultimately, they've sold him. I know the price. I won't disclose it. Um, but it wasn't the price of a, you know, Average a champion horse. three-year-old anyway. Oh, yeah. So I guess um, a mid-range kind of horse. I mean, if he races up to what his, his breeding is, I guess he'll he'll do a, a decent job. But I mean, he's won one from twelve in the stable of New Zealand's winningest ever trainer, Barry Purden. So you know, you've got to take that on board, don't you? Bit to unpack there, Dan, before we get into this race, that the horse works like a champion at home, but he's been sold as a mid, mid-level mid sort of a horse. So race nine, number four, Ultimate Missile, is the favourite at seventy. Have you got him on top? I haven't, simply because um, he, he... Look, I always say the New Zealanders coming over and they're generally thrown in because of the ratings, but this is not... A, 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 a specific benchmark ratings race, it's open right up. So yeah. he can give away a, a few classes and, you know, suspecting he might be on odds on favourite, you got sort of nothing to prove there. Um, in mm. some of the rep- replays I've seen, he's run placings, but he's been beaten a long way as well. Um, some handy horses, though, that he's been up against. So one went out of 12. He can pick up a few here. Naturally, he's in a really good stable, um, and uh, probably Mick Stanley's the best to give a a, 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 ga- a, a gauge. And, and then also the gate speed. I'm thinking he might work his way to the top, but at the same time, I'm not um, convinced that's going to be the case. And that yeah. could also be the difference here. If he ends up without cover, um, is he a dollar seventy shot? You'd probably want to take him on. The, the hard part for me was trying to find something with confidence that I could tip to beat him. And um, I can't say I've got great confidence, but I, I think Laura Major and Operative Line are both going well. Um, so I've actually tipped five, seven, four, and uh, what else? And I think Zubri yeah. uh, is going really well. He hasn't won for a while, but that's the sort of horse he is. But I think he's going well enough to consider him as a, a winning chance here. It's the right sort of race for him. So I, I'm not specifically taking on Ultimate Missile, but... I'm always sticking with the devil I know, and, and I don't consider him a Beelzebub or anything like that, but um, he's he's obviously got talent. It's one of those cases that if we were writing uh, for the newspaper, you'd use that line, prefer to see. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because I, I'm, I'm sure he'll measure up, but just 
it's more a price thing. Like if he was seven dollars, you'd still probably tip him in your top three and think that well, you know, we'll find out more about him. But at a dollar seventy, what have you got to prove? Better off going with the horses that we know and that are in form. I thought Laura Major was really good winning last start. So five, seven, four, and eleven. Yeah, look, I'm the same as you, and uh, in many regards, I think Ultimate Missile's probably the horse to beat, but I wouldn't want to take the dollar seventy. And then I settled on Zubery. Craig Rail rated him four dollars fifty, and that was probably about the price I would have expected him to be. He's a sixty-six rater, and he's taking on a horse like Ready to Rock, who comes out of winning at Yarra Valley in a fifty-one to fifty-four, and it's eleven dollars. Zubery's currently nineteen dollars. He's got, he ran third last start behind uh, No Win, No Worries. The start before that, he ran third behind Herenia, who's a really nice horse, and bide yeah. our time. Bide our time beat him by a half head, Dan, two starts back. Now, bide our time would go around in this as an odds-on favourite. Zubri definitely overs. Agree with you there. So I settled on 11 Zubri over four ultimate missile. For all the reasons we've outlined, you, he, he's a good horse. How forward he is in his prep, we don't know. How good he'll end up being, we don't know. He may be way too good for these. He may not be as yet. Uh, six, Lottie Moon. I was impressed with its first up effort. Comes out of a really strong stable with Juanita Breen, who does a wonderful job into another strong stable that does a wonderful job, the Tyndales. And... I think maybe that change of scenery, which happens with horses every so often, is important. So I think it could run another really good race after its first up third. And the other one I had was Operative Line with you, who I actually tipped when it ran a really good third in the um, breed, uh, in the Vic Bread Silver at Bendigo. Since then, it's just had terrible barrier draws. It's been at sixes and sevens with the barrier draws, and it gets seven again tonight. It's a horse, Dan, I rate uh, very similar to Julius Shadow. So in 12 months' time, I wouldn't be surprised to see it in much better level races. Still got eight minutes to go, so we've got enough time to get through this. We'll get a break, and we'll get some tips out for Geelong tonight. Race 10 is the Allied Express Trot, the final race. Dan, you generally enjoy the final race. It's a 52 <laughs> to 61 uh, at Melton. It's an interesting race, this race. There's a number of different uh, levels of horses, but I've got a funny feeling we might really align in this race. So I'll let you go first, and we'll see how close we can get them. And and uh, the misnomer about me enjoying the last race, the best part about it is usually when I say all clear on the last. But uh, yep. this this is a tough race. I've I, I got to say, I'm uh, scratching my head here. Um, if Hortacam had drawn the front line and had recent racing, I, I'd say I'd have no hesitation in, in tipping him to win. But he's off a bit of a break, and that's a concern. Kaivelli Piero, I don't know if I can trust him. He's got enough ability. Benji Hall's in really good form and probably picks himself for consistency. I haven't spent a lot of time on this race because it looked really hard and, and brain cells are pretty important. So um, <laughs> I wanted to keep a few. So four, nine, eight. And uh, and I thought Imperial Wiz might be the improver here, the five. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if he led, although Kinnear is very quick out as well, but and Fling at Rainbow for that matter. And But drawn out wide over the short, he might come flying across. So he can give you a good run. Imperial Wiz, he should be fit enough now. Four, nine, eight and five. Yeah, I settled on Hortacam for uh, our good mate Stu. Look, he's been a good horse, hasn't he? He ran fifth in the two-year-old Vic Bread, second in the APTS for three-year-old Colts and Gelding, sixth in the Needs for Spread Prince. He's pulled up in the final of the Victorian Derby and twelfth in a Breeders' Crown final. If you take that 
high-level racing out. He's actually been a pretty consistent little trotter, and I just think he's the best horse in the race, and he'll end up being the best horse. Whether he wins on Saturday night, I'm not real sure, so it's not with a huge amount of confidence. The seven high in the sky has been terrific at its last 10, winning two of them and four placings, and the, the other what four runs have included an eighth in a stall cup, which is much higher level than this, an 11th in an Elmore cup that was really strong race and was pulled up in a central Victorian championship. So I think High in the Sky has been racing really consistently of late. Benji Hall got really down in the ratings and uh, was identified by Alex Ashwood. He's picked the horse up. He's got him back to probably the rating level he should be. You're in a good third last after down under Barker's and Ebony's Avenger. And uh, Glenn Gareth was the other one, the six. Uh, who's a good chance? It's been racing really well with a win over El Rosamo last start. And probably the gates, probably the thing that made it a bit tricky for it. And I didn't disagree with you on Imperial Wiz. I had a good look at Imperial Wiz, thought he might be able to run a third or a fourth. And had Danny Mullen on the radio uh, last week, Dan, tell his story for 25 minutes. He came out as a migrant as a kid, as a migrant to Australia and uh, got uh, involved with George Gath up the road and that got him into harness racing. He spent time with the VTDA. He's been a real estate agent. He told a wonderful story with Victory's Phil as well, a great mm. horse he had. And you sort of hear his story and, and you start thinking to yourself, you know, bloke like him, he's not far off a Gordon Rothiger medalist. And he never, I've never thought of him in that light, but just hearing him tell his story, how he came here out to Australia as a 10, 11-year-old with no knowledge on horses whatsoever. And he's made a life and a career and a passion out of it with his family. Terrific story and, and best of luck to Danny. Yeah, look, he's a terrific guy. I've known him for a long time yeah. as well. And and family, uh, Samantha, oh. Samantha, she was a driver and successful too uh, for a period there. Um, when she was uh, she was younger, and um, the whole family were into the into their horses, and yeah, he's a terrific guy, very passionate, and and look, it's typical of harness people through yeah. and through, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. Dan, thank you very much for the Friday formula. Well, you can stay on if you like, but I'll, I'll we'll have a break. I'll come back. I've got some tips for Geelong to get through, and uh, if not, we'll say sayonara to you. And thank you very much. Arrivederci. I, I, I'm going to Geelong tonight. Race six, number seven, Ooh. Millwood Dior, my best. And race yep. seven, number eight, uh, loving a Chevy. Um, he's found his right race. Can't believe he's $6.50. Race six, number seven, Millwood Dior. And race seven, number eight, love in a Chevy are your best, are they? They are indeed. All right, beautiful. I'll let you go. You go prepare a bit more for Geelong uh, and Melton tomorrow night, mate. And uh, I'll see you when I see you next. Thank you, Toby. Enjoy the rest of your show and the rest of your month. Is it? Is that right? It's a month. Bon- yeah, it's yeah, a month. terrific. So well, got- you'll have to be wearing the teal then. You, you'll be on for as long as the the team teal goes for. Got the teal underwear on there, not on the outside. It's on <laughs> I, the inside. Didn't need to that's go there, terrible, but that's good. That's a terrible sure vision for you. Isn't it'll it? suit you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. For a break, and we'll be back next week together on the Friday Four Panel. Good on you, Dan. Thanks, Toby. There is the great Dan Malecki. Let's get to this break before things go really down uh, pear-shaped. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. No Jay Bond, just Toby McKinnon with you as we close it out with some tips at Geelong. And we've got three tipsters combined here. In a very uh, interesting, because we've covered off a different number of races, three, five, six, and seven. So starting with race three, number six, Montselli, if at $2.50. That was runs from Darren Carroll. 
Uh, race five, number five, better steam ahead is from me and is my only tip for the night. Better steam ahead. Tom Rundle, the team down at Gillaby absolutely flying the Lees and Cravens. Tom's a part of that group and this horse, better steam ahead. It's first up. I expect it to be really fit and it's already been backed from $5 into three sixty. So very confident. Race five, number five, better steam ahead from Dan Malecki. Race six, number seven, Millwood Dior. It's a very nice mare at $2.90. It's a class above those for Craig Demler, Greg Sugars taking the reins. Race seven gets interesting. Darren Carroll says five. Where's Seggy's been terrific, hasn't he, since for a long time, actually. He just keeps winning races, this horse. Had the terrible draw last start outside second row. He goes into this race. Great chance. Race seven, number five. Where's Seggy at $2.40? Dan Malecki says the value in that race each way. Race seven, number eight. Love in a Chevy for Lance Justice and Jackie Barker at six fifty and two eighty. So they're the tips for... Uh, Geelong tonight, and I did note Gareth Hall was very keen on one at Gloucester Park. Race three, number one, Prada Sun horse. I actually know a little bit about this horse by shadow play out of the very good mare, Stylish Jasper, who was trained by Charlie Wooten and Vivian Tomron. Great. Well, Charlie was uh, best man at, uh, when I got married. So that says something about that. Uh, Prada Sun, been a good horse for a long time, that horse, and Gets the really good barrier draw and uh, should be really hard to beat in that race. $2.25. So those tips. Once again, Darren Carroll, race three, number six, Montselli at two fifty. Race seven, number five, where's Seggy at $2.40. I'm keen on race five, number five, better steam ahead at $3.60. Dan Malecki on race six, number one, Millwood Dior at two ninety, And race seven, number eight, Love in a Chevy at $6.50 to and $2.80 each way. So it should be a great night's racing at Geelong tonight. You've got plenty of opportunities there to have a little wager and a fantastic night at um, Melton on Saturday night. Dan, all of Dan's bets I'll put up on Twitter as well, all of Dan's tips. my uh, The way I'd be playing the race meeting, I'd have four, uh, $40 each way on um, race three, number uh, Arch Leo. It was race three anyway. Arch Leo would go 40 each way on it. Uh, $20 the win on Crazy. Race four, number eight. Arch Leo was race three, number six. Uh, $50 the place on race nine, no, race eight, number nine, Orby. And then $25 each way on Zubery. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel. Yeah, welcome back. Friday Form Panel. Toby McKinnon has been with you. Big thanks to Dan Malecki. Friday Form Lounge. We go from the panel to the lounge. As that's coming in hot. I got no control on that. Oh, there we go. Finally got it. Miles Fitzner, he's coming in hot as well on the Friday form panel, on the Friday form lounge. You'll have an arm out either side, just welcoming in people under his wings. One o'clock, Campbell Brown and Sam Highland will take you through the afternoon. No doubt there'll be plenty of winners from the crew. Have a great afternoon. Gamble responsibly across Geelong and across Melton on Saturday night. Have a great day. This has been the Friday Form Panel. I'll be back Monday with a retrospective review and we'll be gloating about all the winners we've tipped.